1: The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast
2: from TalkSport.
3: This is Paul Hawksby.
2: And Andy Jacobs.
3: And welcome once again to the uh, H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by comedian, Manchester United fan and runner, Paul Tonkinson.
2: Very interesting chat about marathon
3: running. Yeah, Paul's written a book about uh, a, a record he went for in a marathon. was very interesting on that. Um, we were joined by James Wilson, who, who joined us on the show just on the phone a little while ago. And we said, when you're in London, pop in. So he did. He is the sleep geek. He works with Sheffield United and Roserum and lots of other clubs as well. And he's a sleep expert and has, has made yeah. those marginal gains for many players. Yeah,
2: and, and for ordinary people. You yeah. a lot about sleep. It's, it's, like he said, it's, it's it, a problem
3: for a lot of people. It is. So we took some of your questions. You'll hear that. And we had a bit of a chat. About various things, parrots. Andy had a meeting with a parrot trainer. <laughs> <laughs> only happens to him. Something else that only happens to him yeah, kicked off the show as well. <laughs> so uh, here it all is. <laughs> good afternoon everyone good afternoon Andy good afternoon Paul did you try the I didn't try because I was busy just doing a bit of prep for the show but did you have a little shot into the the chair yes
2: I hit the wall unfortunately oh really (laughs) well you know I'm rusty oh yeah I (laughs) (laughs) I only play once a year Ray Parler's finish was pretty expert, yeah, wasn't Ray it? Yeah, was a professional
3: football. Well, so, was Ollie Watkins, and so is Darren Bent. but it doesn't mean everybody's going to do it first well, time, do it, really. It, really. It I mean,
2: does it, really? I mean, it's just an element of luck to it, but... Uh, it's only Ray Parler, they said, as he stepped yeah, up to take right. it. That's right. They've all been having a go today. Yeah, so I was on the Tube yesterday. This was an odd incident. Mm. And uh, I'm sitting on the, on the Jubilee line, and suddenly I feel like a spray against my face and my glasses. Oh, no. When I turn round, and I look around... The woman next to me is just bitten into a large green apple. <laughs> She said to me, I, "I'm really sorry." Well, I think I think you said to me that doesn't happen, doesn't happen to other people, that does it? Never happened to me and in these, my life. This no. day and age, when you're worried about you know infections and everything, you know, it's a bit worrying to get sprayed with apple juice, yeah, like that. But uh, anyway, the I Cox's virus. What? So, <laughs> I survived. Anyway. So did you ask her where she got such a juicy apple? <laughs> no. Okay. She was so apologetic. I said, "Well, you know, I'm the I mean, man." Compared I'm the man that sneezed in somebody's face at yeah, Waterloo. I wouldn't worry about you it. You are
3: quite a violent sneezer, but um, <laughs> so you let it go, did you? you, didn't, get, know, you, you know, didn't get you know it. Right, good it. job Chelsea didn't lose last no, night. about She could have got a very <laughs> different response, <laughs> couldn't
2: she? Uh, something that does make me angry, though, is the era of dual standards. We've got the dual standard handball, yeah. where we all know what that is, and then uh, we have the dual standard VAR, and it is utterly uh, the FA talk about trying to preserve the FA cup as a competition blah 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 they couldn't have done a worse thing to the FA, no. FA cup than this and if they tried that game last night if that had been at Shrewsbury you all know it Shrewsbury would have been 1-0 up they may have won the game and it's just ridiculous yeah. you cannot have a competition where you've got you've got it in one game and you haven't got it in yeah, another game. Can, you, it's can, ludicrous you, you can't, can't have VAR at this.
3: some of the grounds and not the others because it does skew the competition
2: i just think you know and the, <clears throat> talking yesterday about, uh, sorry, I should know the name of the chief executive of the Premier League, but his name's absolutely escaping. Richard Masters. Richard Masters. Yeah. He was talking about that, he was defending the, the VAR and then saying it's here to stay. And he's saying the decision making's improved. We're at 94% of key match decisions being correct. So this justification of getting a, the percentage of correct decisions up, maybe by one or two percent, there's always going to be arguments, that's justified the ruination of the game spontaneity. That is ridiculous. You cannot justify VAR by saying that. No. You've got to bat, You've got it. They're never getting rid of it. But that is the truth. And not and the FA missed a an op, missed a trick. Not whatsoever point of difference yeah, about their competition and not so say. Better. But it does. You know we've said this before. You know you can't bleat
3: about your competition, the quality of your competition being eroded when you disrespect it yourself with. Semi-finals at Wembley, VAR in some games because they happen to have uh,
2: all the technology at Premier League grounds and the, not in others. That is the worst decision, one of the worst decisions they've ever come up with. It yeah, was so no. predictable that this would happen. We said it on this show, as soon as it was announced, we said, well, they can't have that. And it's the same as dual standard handball. You can't have that either. You've got to have one set of rules. Anyway, going bit last night's action, I saw that uh, Bakayoko had scored for uh, Coventry. Wow. I think, blimey, is he on loan to them now? He's really <laughs> sl- a yeah, bit, he? it's a different Bakayoko. <laughs> of course, I think. it's a different Bakayoko. And it uh, was an entertaining game, wasn't it? Well, very entertaining game. Oxford did well, and. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, uh, volley at the end by Nathan Holland what a tremendous goal but then St Maximum or Maximum as yeah, <laughs> Martin but... kept calling him I don't know why he doesn't like the word saint 147 they call him in the dressing room no <laughs> yeah, doubt exactly
3: the, um, our old mate Danny Trellfarer he he did make a very good point he said there is nothing worse than a neutral when you're watching Cup Extra Time and it doesn't go to penalties Oh, it's I, true. Don't I don't know. I think you'd like to see it once you've made a commitment. You think I wanted to go to bed. I don't, I don't
2: <laughs> it. I stopped me watching Curb. I didn't like the extra time.
3: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, no, yeah. once, but at that point, you do want, don't you want pens at that stage when you've watched it? Well, fall, I, I was and quite, then you've got no skin no, in the game. I was quite
2: happy for St. Maximum. What a strike. It was a tremendous goal. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Well, in this world of
3: marginal gains in sport, uh, sleep has become a very important aspect to that with a lot of uh, professional sports teams. And uh, we spoke a little while ago on the phone to James Wilson. He's worked with Sheffield United and Lincoln and uh, Rotherham, amongst uh, others, and lots of other blue-chip companies as well uh, in the world of sleep. He is the sleep geek, and he has joined us in the studio. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in.
1: No problem at all.
4: Yeah. Mm.
3: It's uh, it is a sort of fascinating area and, and so many more clubs are, are taking it seriously, aren't they?
1: It is and I think it's something we all do and I think within sport in particular it's it's it was always presumed like you you, you just fall asleep and and when you start talking to players it's something you can't force sleep. It's not like nutrition, it's not like the training. Yeah. You know, it, you, 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 the more you try and force it the harder it gets. So a lot of my work is actually taking some stress out of it because I think sometimes players can really sort of obsess O- oversleep and if we can if we can get them a little bit more relaxed about it, generally they will sleep better. You know this thing where they sorry
5: Paul
2: where they mm. have to sleep in the afternoon before a match. I have to wonder about that and think that must be quite tricky. I suppose they're used to it, but just the idea of getting into bed and Almost making yourself sleep because you
1: know you need the energy for the game. and Some doing, some don't, and that's one of the things that we try and get across. That it's not the same for everybody. So I have players who will have a nap, particularly on that Tuesday, Wednesday night game because mm. it kills a bit of time. It also yeah. they feel a bit more alert afterwards. But other players will, will, will do it. Like you say, they'll go to bed and all they will do is think about like the game and yeah. self-analyse, yeah. <laughs> and that's not helpful. So a lot of my work is, is is sort of dismantling some of the myths. You know, some of the, the prescriptive advice like everyone, all sports people need nine ten hours. You know, that that's quite damaging. If you're getting seven or eight, so we, 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 try, we try and sort of help the individual player understand themselves, but also not just them, the partners, and also the kids. Because you know, the amount of players with, with young children trying to sleep during season is, is, is quite significant, yeah. Of course, is it kind of bespoke then? So
3: you'll look at a player and you're saying you'll look at his the way he tends to sleep. Because we originally spoke to you after that Cristiano. Ronaldo yes, story, which he yes. says he doesn't have a four nights' kip. He just he naps five or six times a day, so that's his way of doing it. But that wouldn't suit everybody. Some players might need five or six hours. Some players might need twelve. So do you look at them as individuals and and what they do at the moment and, and think about how you can make it better within that context? Exactly that's
1: it. So we're, we're looking how we make it better. So we're not looking for perfect because I don't think there is perfect when it comes to sleep, and we accept that maybe particularly in the night after a game because actually a lot of the self analysis comes in even they played well. Yeah. Looking like, how did I do? And and because from of of the supplements that they take. And because of the adrenaline, you know, mm. they, yeah. they 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 maybe finish a game at, at ten o'clock and they're trying to go to sleep at twelve. You know that that is too soon. So sure. we, so somebody's trying to get context for them as an individual. Are they are they are now? So they're more likely to go to bed later and get up later. Are they a lark? More likely to go to bed earlier, get up earlier. Are they somewhere in the middle? You know, ha, ha, have they got to travel home two hours after after the game's finished? So it's it's all about the individual. We try and make it not prescriptive at all. I think it's the same for the fans. I find midweek games really
2: difficult. If I go to the match, not if I'm watching it on telly, but if I go to the match. Get home about ten thirty. I'm just not tired at all. And and especially if we've lost, then I might eventually get to sleep, but then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and then I'm thinking about it and you know, so it disturbs you, you know.
1: So it isn't easy when you've got that adrenaline flowing. I know but as fans we you know, like you say, we, we we get stressed. If we've lost we'll sure. we'll be analysing and then yeah. and then think about think about that plus the physical exertion, plus you're actually physically tired, so you want to go to sleep, but your brain is sort of whirring and whirring and whirring and mm. whirring.
3: Um, for, the, for the average Joe, then some questions that, that people generally ask is the old eight, is, is the eight hours thing a myth?
1: It is because we're all different, and also all that takes into account is quantity. The quality of sleep is also very very important. So mm. actually, if someone if someone's getting good quality sleep, they might need six and a half hours. To eat. And it is it's again getting people to think about themselves an in individual. I like people to think like, how do you feel about ten eleven in the morning? Because that's when we should be our most alert. So if you feel okay, then you've probably had enough sleep. Mm. If you don't, then you maybe need to maybe, maybe need to try and have a bit more. But it's 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 the the the, the interesting thing about sleep is you, the, trying to sleep makes it worse. So you've you've got to get better at winding down. You've got to get better at accepting that maybe if you're a night owl going to be at ten o'clock, you're not going to fall asleep. You have to maybe wait an, an hour and a half, maybe maybe a little bit less. But it's it's a little bit of experimentation, and it's it co- it starts with who are you? Who are you as yeah. an individual? How much sleep do you need? What's your sleep type? You know, what's your life like? Does your job mean that you've got to actually um, get up early? Does it mean you can have a lie in? Like footballers are quite lucky; they have a later start time than most people, so they they, they that does suit. You know, it does suit someone who's more more, more of a late riser.
3: What's what's your attitude towards the kind of sleep software on smartwatches and on apps these days? I mean, there are certain promises that are made that they wake you up at the optimum time and the kind of right time of your sleep cycle, so you're not groggy the
1: next day. Do they work in your eyes? I I think they can they can damage sleep because a, a, a tracker for example will tell you something you already know if you don't sleep well you do not need a tracker um, and, and we view like we use them when I first started working with, with Rotherham we, we were doing it as part of a, a research study with, with a, a university and they all had watches watches on and they would try to compete with each other and that and that kind of <laughs> that damage that damaged their sleep. So the, the trackers I think you don't need them. I think sometimes they're not as accurate as they could be. Um I think some of the, the you no know, the, the alarms that'll wake up when you're in a certain sleep cycle, you're better off getting one of these like natural alarm clocks. Because it, it, it like the, it, it mimics natural light. So it yeah. pulls you out of the deepest stage of sleep. So when when you alarm maybe goes off, you're a bit more you're a bit more ready to wake up. Where if you are waiting for you for you to come out of the sleep cycle you, you, you might not do it and then your alarm goes off anyway and you feel awful so i think i think it's let's use our mm. body's natural rhythm let's use how our bodies work you know light generally means we're awake dark generally means we're asleep use that to wake up rather than rather than like a, a scary like if you saw yesterday was mm. some research about how order like those those alarms how, how how actually waking up with music is better so actually a little change like that wake up with music mm. rather than your, your, mm. your scary alarm a lot of
2: people uh, complain of insomnia i'm sure players do too and uh i think the worst thing about that is when you go to bed late and you know you've got to be up early and that's when it really gets to you when you think i've got to get to sleep i've got to get to sleep and then you guarantee you won't get to sleep
1: yeah and the irony is often you fall asleep at half an hour before you're due to wake up yeah and that half an hour is the worst sleep you ever get so with that the, the sort of the the advice would be there quite a lot of academic research around this if you're in bed for more than half an hour and not asleep start again if you sleep next to someone, you, you need to get away from them because they are mocking you with their sleep. <laughs> they are white. Uh, you know, that's the, true though. the because actually sleep comes from a dropping heart rate. So if you are getting wound up by that person next to you, so go out of the room, listen to something, you know, spoken spoken word book. Talk radio is brilliant, you know, as long as long as it's not your team they're talking about. Um, you know <laughs> a podcast, allow your mind to wander, feel sleepy, then go back to bed. Because you've got to break that that kind of like that that, that cycle mm. we get into of worry, I've got a to good to sleep because I'm gonna be awful tomorrow. But also we remind players. You know, you, you, you perform amazingly on very little sleep sometimes, so don't worry about tomorrow, because actually you've performed amazingly with very little sleep in the past. We're
3: getting loads of questions, and mm-hmm. I thought we were going to try and r- rattle through them if we can. Graham says, um, uh, could James help me? My 11-year-old son goes to bed at 9pm, wakes up any time between 1.30 uh, and 5.30, and this has gone on for eight or nine years. He wow. can't get back to sleep unless he comes into our bed. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, quite, quite a common thing. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's it's often... He's often thinking, is he, you know, is he winding down properly before bed? So making sure that hour before bed is doing things that drops his heart rate, drops his core temperature, because that's what we need to fall asleep. It's worth remembering that we all wake up generally about three to six times a night. So most of the time, we go straight back into sleep. Yeah. Those times where our brain kicks in, mm-hmm. so, you know, we, we don't. So so with with, with, um, with, with, his, with his son, I would actually maybe think, which parent is it he's coming to see? Um, I would maybe give him something of that parent. So something like a, a, an old cuddly toy or a t-shirt or a ring or something where we can say I'm going to come back for this in the morning because because what he's looking for is emotional security he's looking yeah. to feel secure mm-hmm. and when we feel secure we'll get that drop in heart rate when we fall asleep so how can we make him feel a bit more secure when he's and he's
2: 27 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well
1: he's 11 so yeah, well,
3: Gab says um, he's got an interest in mind he thinks he's doing everything right he says I, st- I get to bed I get into bed exhausted but still can't drop off I don't have caffeine very little sugar in my diet don't use an iPad so you know I'm, I'm not causing any problems there. I don't use my phone mm. turn that off at least an hour before I go Go to bed. So what's going wrong for Gab? Them
1: a perfect example of that person who's trying too hard. (laughs) Trying too hard, obsessing over sleep. Focus on his sleep too much. I I would sort of say I'd I'd think about what time he's going to bed. Is he ready? Difference between tiredness and sleepiness. Tiredness is that thing you feel all the time when you've not slept well sleepiness is that you're dropping off. You can feel sleep come. So if he's not feeling sleepy, mm. I would try and avoid going to bed. I would, I would, I would find something. You no, know, it's not big changes. If you're watching something like a box set, watch something funny instead. If you're watching a horror film, watch something trashy. So it's, it's these little changes. Don't put so much pressure on himself because one thing he's obviously been quite good at over the years is he's dealing with being tired. You know, yeah. He might, might be a poor sleeper. He's brilliant at being tired. <laughs> can
2: so. you catch up though during the day? I mean, the power nap, I love a power nap. That thing where you just fall asleep and you only sleep for about... 10 to 20 minutes is good. But, can people do yeah. try, don't they, to catch the up. The 10
3: minutes, you can wake up and feel great. The, the half hour, 40 minutes, you wake up and feel groggy, don't you? That's it. So I think, I think
1: naps are great as long as they don't damage nighttime sleep because naps make you more alert. They don't replace nighttime sleep. So so it, they are great if you've had short sleep during the night and you've got a big day the next day. They are, they are perfect. But if you are struggling to get to sleep at night, it could be that nap because the nap relieves the sleep pressure during the day. During the day, we get more and more sleepy. So you've got to be thinking... Is this actually helping me long term? I use them as a short term tool, or with people like shift workers, or with the footballers, maybe like on the on the on the Wednesday after Tuesday. But we but we we're always looking: is it affecting that nighttime sleep? Yeah. Because if it is, we, we we cut it out of their their routine. I have on.
2: to ask you my wife's question. On, then, she'll shoot me. She she has no problem getting to sleep, but she is bonkers. But she wakes up about anything between three, six, seven times a night, and she keeps she'll keep a thing by the side of her bed. And she'll show me in the morning, and she'll say. One forty-seven, Isn't the actor writing it down a know. bit of a problem? There <laughs> you go, yeah. But she never has a problem going back to sleep. She'll go back to sleep
1: and then she'll wake up again. It drives her bonkers. How does she feel during the day? Does she feel t- tired about 10, 11 o'clock? She does like a, a daytime nap. Okay. I I would say what she's doing is, is every time she comes out of that sleep cycle, she's waking up and like you say she's waking up to write down the time so she can tell you in the morning. So the first thing I would stop doing <laughs> writing is writing that time yeah, right, down. Good, good, um, right. Take the pad away from her. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and again, it's that obsession she's obsessing over her mm. sleep. So I, I would sort of have a conversation around, you know, she, she's she's dealing with her poor sleep quite well. I'd, I'd think about the nap and maybe is that affecting her her, her quality of sleep at night? Because that's different to quantity of sleep. Um, I'd make sure I'm winding down properly. Waking at night can be caused by things like caffeine. You know, you, you, caffeine doesn't always, isn't always about falling asleep. It's also about staying Asleep, yeah, um, and also you know, it, 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 it different things like temperature can be an issue. So, I'd look at the you know, is, is she too hot? Is she too cold? Is there a noise waking her up? Is there, is there a light waking her up? I'd, I'd sort of start to investigate what might be the trigger mm. for that awakening, so we can stop the wakening and also her reaction to awakening which is to write, to write it down. In the, very common, you know, it is very, very common. Yeah. Do, you, do you know about sort of four, seven, eight, the breathing exercises
2: yes. you can use? That's uh, that can be quite helpful, I think, yeah, for
1: people. Definitely, I, I like those sorts of things, particularly as you just wake up, so you know, you like you've you you've, you've before. Before your brain kicks in and starts worrying yeah. about stuff just just use a breathing technique there's yeah. a there's like the box breathing the sort of the four 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 so four, in, four, for four, four out yeah. rest for four uh, there's the, anything that drops your heart rate is brilliant
3: good stuff okay. uh, just we should ask Ian's question he's his poor wife is pregnant at the moment and can't sleep uh,
1: <laughs> any it, recommendations it, is this a common thing Ian wonders it is common, I think, particularly towards the end of of pregnancy, um, an, an actual a mum's sleep cycle will start to mimic the baby's sleep cycle. So, it, so her sleep cycle become an hour rather than hour and a half. So, although this this is not reassuring to her in any way, it is her body doing the right thing. It's trying to get her in sync with baby. Um, I think it's trying to make be as comfortable as possible. So, you know, you can get you can get maternity pillows that you put between your legs. You know, making sure that you're on the on the right side. Um, there is some research show being been adjusted a little bit. So you know, popping yourself up up, up can help. It is difficult. You know, it is there's a heavy weight in the front of her in the in the, in the front yeah, of, of her body that makes it more difficult. But it's really about her being as comfortable as possible.
3: And in, in very briefly, exercise. Often people often say, if you exercise before you go to bed, it make you good and sleepy. Is there a kind of optimum time beforehand that you should exercise? You know, then go to finish exercise and then go straight to bed. Yeah, like, about three hours
1: from last exercise to sleep. Okay, you will fall asleep if you exercise because you're shattered, but you. More like to have that wake up where you wake up every hour and a half and you sort of, you know, you you, you, you need your body to wind down properly. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Paul Tonkinson, comedian,
3: Manchester United fan and runner, of course, has uh, written uh, 26.2 Miles to Happiness, a comedian's tale of running red wine and redemption good afternoon like Paul It's it, like a, good good title. Title. It <laughs> a good
5: title it's quite meaty isn't it there's a lot going on I,
3: I, when I heard you were coming in and it was a book about running I wondered if it was going to be a kind of story of someone who's gone from from now to a marathon but of course that's not you because you, yeah. you've always you've kind of you've dipped in and out of running over the years and you were pretty good as a kid yeah I
5: was you? quite decent as a kid and then I lost it a little bit in my in my 20s as most of us lose a lot of things in our 20s <laughs> and then I found it again in my 30s so he was more the initial idea of the book was to uh, the The attempt to get four minutes faster to in in order to beat three hours for a marathon, which I which I pitched to publishers and they liked it, but they wanted a bit more. They kept digging. They they wanted me to dig a little bit deeper, so I did. It's an examination of marathon running. It's it's funny, but it's a little bit serious as well. And Hmm. it's like why people run marathons and exploration of it because more and more people are running all the time. I mean, it's it's almost like the, the world's. Evolving into a state of constant running. Yeah. I went to the National Running Show at the weekend, and it was uh, it was in, in, incredible. Thousands and thousands of people starting running every year. It's ridiculous. It, so, it's also mm. it's p-
3: kind of part life story as well, isn't it? You kind yes. of tell you tell your story not just through running, but you kind of you, yeah, you go the, back the, through the, your the, career.
5: There's, memoir, there's mem- memoir in there and a bit a bit of career and why I started running when I was a kid and 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 it's that, the attraction of of running marathons, I think, is. Uh, Obviously, you get fitter as well, and that feels great. But it gives you a chance of something that you can sort of control. There's a lot of elements in life that feel a bit out of control when you're in a work environment, social media, your kids. You can't control your kids. You just basic things. Yeah, it's true. But you control. But you can control how hard you want to train for a marathon, and that's quite a nice thing. You you, you enter an event. And the, the, the uh, relationship between effort and reward is quite simple, which yeah. is quite liberating actually. You know? uh, they if they if often, you embrace it, you know? they
3: often say, if you want to, st- you know, if you, if you want to start running, obviously put one leg in front of the other. But ultimately, if you do set a goal, enter a ten k or a five k, yes, or whether course. it's just a yeah. part run, but yeah. have something to work to, because otherwise, you do you need, do you think, an incentive
5: to actually start. I think like it that. just makes it a bit more exciting. I mean, yeah. part runs are amazing; they're fantastic. Yeah. I do them all the time. They're uh, they're brilliant, ever growing. A marathon uh, gives you the chance to. Um, be a little bit of a hero for a day. I know mm. it sounds a little bit portentous, but it's very hard, but it's achievable by by everyone. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a perfect pitch, really, between difficulty and your ability to do it. And with, especially if you do a mass event like London, all the people cheering you, it's an incredibly emotional experience to do the last four or five miles, be that exhausted and go through it all and, and finish in whatever time. There's something about it that's it is quite life changing in a way have you ever run a marathon you look i've fit.
3: i've run a run half marathon right okay um, cool You're halfway, I, there. I, I You're had halfway some, there i did i thought <laughs> that i that took it out of me and i had a few knee issues okay, and i started right. thinking myself also my my oldest son who's a pretty decent runner ran a marathon and set himself a time Tried to stick to it, and I saw him at 15 miles, and he's all thumbs up. Yeah. I saw him at 19 miles, and he was in trouble. Starting to so go. Yeah, I'm thinking, it, it, well, if he's struggling, I think I it, might it, as it well. Is,
5: it is the wall. I mean, a lot of the, the marathon is the wall. Really, the marathon is sort of 19 miles to 23, and you definitely goes through something. It's it's obviously extreme fatigue, but there's a mental thing about that as well. And the book's an examination really of that, and you way through that, and how that can help you deal with other stuff in your life. I know it feels a bit like you know, on point and mental health and stuff. But it gives you a sort of mm. a way of dealing with stuff that's not therapy. Or about. i will talk that it's experience. bad for That's the only thing. What, physically bad Marathons, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think it depends on everyone's... I think everyone, everyone's body uh, is different. I mean, I know people in their 60s who, like, run 75 miles a week and they're fine. Their body's obviously suited for that. Mm. If I run anything over 50 miles a week, I start to fall apart. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So, so you so find your How many your would you do a year, roughly? Uh, uh, marathons. I'm, well, I've got four in for this year. I'm really? doing Manchester, London, Windermere, and uh, a New York. Um, Does it get easier, Paul? Do you ever find yourself like in the third marathon? Is it a bit like, oh, I think I've cracked this, and then suddenly you can still hit the wall even when you're seasoned it, or it, not? It, it gets easier if you don't try and run them fast. Yeah, you know, if you try and run them fast, like try to beat three hours, that that was very very difficult. Right. Um, but it changed you as a person, would you say? I mean, splend or whatever. I think it's just—I think it's just chilled me out a little bit. I think there's something about running that. Obviously, you run for your, to feel better. You know, most people run to feel better mentally as opposed to physically. Yeah. Um, I chatted to uh, some ultra runners at the weekend at this show, and they were like world record ultra distance runners. They're the most chilled out people you could ever hope to meet. They were so relaxed. This bubble of. B- beatific sort of American I don't know, I don't know what it was, it was like a puddle of goo that you're chatting to <laughs> um, and there's something about that that does I find it myself, if I don't run for a few days I get a bit twitchy, you know, so mm. it's kind of, I won't say it's made me a better person but it's given me access to something that can make me feel But it's
2: better. addictive running Very addictive, You know, yeah, you've the you've endorphins somebody, I mean, You've spoken to a lot of people in the book and one of the people we know, Bryony Gordon.
5: Yes, bless and, her And yeah.
2: Bry- Bryony's great but I mean and she's writing a book about this but I mean she had problems mainly with drink but also with drugs, she will yes, a bit of that. Yes,
5: yes. And she swapped it for marathon running.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you and it's, know, it's basically saved her life.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's a bit healthier, isn't it? It's a healthier addiction. But undoubtedly, yeah. it, it it is addictive. And I'll, I think, I know a lot of people used to go, uh, you know, house music raving loads in the 90s as well. And they've come back to running in their 40s. And it's a similar vibe post-race. It's very chilled out. Everyone's chatting to each other, but no one's a real mess and the police aren't ushering you. Do you know, do you, <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? you don't need a tag to get in, you know. Your ears feel better afterwards.
2: I, I'm not, I haven't read the book yet, and it does no sound really reason. good, but the words of wisdom derision from your anti-running friend, Richard, that does sound like a nice counterpoint.
5: Yes, well, he, he was constantly poo-pooing that idea. He, he put forward the central idea that people mostly run because they're miserable. He, that, was, that was his essential premise. So the book's an examination. <laughs> The book's an examination of that. To, to be fair, there is something to be said for that. I mean, yeah. there's some, you know, if, you know, I, I think a lot of the time people people run to deal with things a little bit. Um, that is undoubtedly um, an aspect of it. But having said that, he's quite miserable himself. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do a, a running podcast these days. Yes, we do. Diering.
5: We do a running commentary. Um, so that's me and a comedian, Rob Deering, hmm. and we record it while we're running. Which and that came from that's a fun idea. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. Yeah. It was a nice little idea. Uh, but it's um. Because you go for a run, you feel better. The chat gets better. And so you, do you know what I mean? That's the thing about running and chatting. It's very social. So that works really well, actually. We, we have guests on. And we had Bryony on, actually. She was fantastic. She took us down to South London, hopping over syringes in Clapham Common. they <laughs> no, <I'm always> say <laughs> run at a pace that allows you to have a conversation, don't yes. you? Yes. That, that obviously is- very, very slowly, yes. Yeah, there,
3: I mean, there's some good old, uh, some tales in there. There's an interesting uh, chapter on a little trip you took to Austria with Michael McIntyre.
5: Yeah, I went to the old mayor clinic with, uh, with Michael, yeah. He, he he gets me along sometimes for these things, like some kind of northern mascot, because we're, <laughs> we're really good mates. He paid for it. And yeah, uh, yeah. he wanted to lose weight, and I was his mate for a week. So we went through that, drinking salt water and suddenly having to run off in the middle of the woods to uh, have certain experiences at, <laughs> between two professionals. Um, but it was great, lost loads of weight... But, with loads of really rich people and I was there just sort of hanging about but good fun yeah that's, that's in the book Yeah, and yeah, not also that thing weird. of fitting
3: in a marathon around real life because you've got a holiday booked to sort of Cuba yeah, and we, then it's it's before the marathon. we go
5: to Cuba just before the marathon, and it's a, and it's an all inclusive, which you know how dangerous that can of be. Course. Loads of Americans and cocktails and as much food as you can eat. So mm. it's dealing with that, and it was uh, yeah, it is because obviously I'm a runner, and we, we, we were chatting just recently that people can can get very serious about it. I know my limitations. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a professional athlete. A yeah. lot of recreational athletes take it way too too seriously. So there'll be nights I've done London Marathon after doing four gigs a night before, you know. Mm. Um, I mean I missed the start, but that's a good story. And Manchester
3: United, are you still are you still getting along or?
5: I get along when I can. I get along with I get along when they're down in London. Weird stage weird phase at the moment, isn't it, for United? No, Ollie's not quite bad enough to get rid of, but not quite good enough to stay. You've got to judge
2: it by the end of the season. They finish top four, and then he's probably earned the right for another yeah, season. Yeah,
5: I, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Do you yeah. think he will?
2: <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> We've all got Skin in that
3: game, of course. So, yeah, know. yeah. I'm
5: a big so, fan of Mourinho. Actually, I al- almost followed him along at Spurs. I really like Mourinho.
3: So. Well, look, funny. Talking of which, said the picture of your eldest lad, George, in the book, and uh, and I'm, I was surprised and, and a little chuffed as a Spurs fan to see he's wearing a Tottenham
5: he's, shirt. He's a big Spurs fan. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, you didn't he mind that happening? Been, no, I'm not one of those guys who's going to tell me to support. You know, he was like we, we were in North London. He's a big Spurs fan. Always followed him So he looks happy enough in the photo. But that was <laughs> that was when he realised it was an all-inclusive holiday. That yeah. was when he's realising the ramifications. <laughs> You're all going <laughs> Always going to look happy there The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
1: The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
2: Fascinated how this one got in the paper. Cuttlefish have favourite foods and eat fewer crabs in the day if shrimp will be around at night. Cambridge scientists found... Wow, shouldn't they be at work? (laughs) (laughs) Great news. It was that in Budgie's (laughs) Weekly.
3: It's always one, if but you look at Budgies Weekly, there's always at least one cuttlefish story. <laughs> Is that where they you got it from? To. I think they probably did, yeah, yeah. So it'd be anything to, anyway. I always thought they looked, that's how like they came out of the sea like that, being pecked on by, by your budgie. Uh, oh, you, that reminds me. Oh yeah, have you got a budgie?
2: No, but on Sunday we were in the park with the grandchildren, we are in, oh, yeah. in the play area. And a guy comes along and he's got the most amazing parrot, beautiful Plumage, as it, they say, lovely plumage. Was lovely it Norwegian plumage. blue? <laughs> no, it was. It was fully. Because <laughs> he still alive. He had an African grey that has the coloured tail and the grey body. But this was what, the Was f- it on his shoulder? On the shoulder, He was on a string. Did he have a patch? And it was neck? on a string. He was training it. I went and had a yeah. chat with him all about it, was it. A string. It was on a string. The, the like a lead. The parrot was on a lead. Parrot on a lead. Parrot on a lead. You're. And right. I'm telling you the truth. He put the parrot was on the floor. He was standing back there on the ground. And he's calling the parrot, and the parrot he's got the lead, and the parrot flies to him, and he gives the parrot a treat. Yeah. And he said to me, i trained them. They fly free now. He's got some other ones that fly, this is a new one, that fly f- free, and then they return. They're like homing parrots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was incre- it was incredible. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I forgot is to it a little scam where sell, he, sell, he sells parrots, but then, <laughs> well, I don't know what happened. He must have just flown he, he away. He did say to me, he's got some that he's got a normal, times. normal job, but he has the ambition to open an exotic bird shop. I've had the exotic, exotic bird shop why do you say that like Fred Truman <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Well, I've Fred never Truman.
3: had that, maybe the talk sport <laughs> listeners can
2: shed some light have you heard of that, parrots on a lead
3: is that is that right? it I wasn't mean,
2: cruel, I mean he had the parrot he was just very loving yeah. towards to the parrot and the parrot was on his shoulder on his hand but just to stop the parrot flying away obviously while he's well, training getting it getting its freedom well, it doesn't it want like any other parrot <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to fly away does it really well it of might money. want to fly away <laughs> <laughs> anyway. no, you would. Mine's a half, thanks very much.
3: Yeah, OK. Anyway, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, yeah. I've got one for you, Andy. You'll yeah. like this. This, is, um, th- this came from uh, an unlikely source. This is um, a, the former energy minister uh, who was uh, talking about climate change and talking about how well we're doing in the world of climate change in this country at the moment. Mm. And she said our efforts right now are somewhere around League One. We're playing at Oxford United levels when we need to be Liverpool if we're going to do what the world needs us to. I thought, that's That's true. But, you know, China, that's probably Hornchurch,
2: isn't it, really? (laughs) (laughs) So it's all relative. I can't see Greta
3: Thunberg managing Liverpool. No, well, I, I doubt it very much. Yeah. Great, She'd be she quite did. inscrutable, though. You wouldn't know on the touchline whether she was happy with the way you were playing or not. She wouldn't give
2: anything away, would she? My son and his uh, wife were listening to the podcast when you tried to teach me how to say Greta's name. Greta,
3: Greta Thunberg. And apparently, yeah,
2: they ring each other up and just say, just quickly, <laughs> yeah. go, Greta Thunberg, and then put Greta the phone back. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's that. Anyway, singer Susan Boyle. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. she's coming finally, in. No, hi, huh, huh, how are you doing? She's finally... Learning to ride a bicycle at fifty-eight, which That's is fair great enough. Great news. Yeah, she admits she's still got the stabilisers on, but this is the bit I like. She got stabilisers I know. She said, <laughs> "She said I brought myself a bike. She said I can ride an exercise bike, but I <laughs> can't ride an exercise. <laughs> You're bike. not going to topple off of that, are you? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, not really a great claim, is it? She said I never learned to ride a bike as a girl. Better late than never, which is fair enough. It's but true. I mean, yeah,
3: adult stabilisers though. I mean, they can't be well, easy to get hold you know, no, of, can they? Not really. really? I wouldn't have thought so. But there you go. The old dad. Pushing you along now and then letting you go that first time. There's all the rites of passage thing, isn't it, it's when not you have idea. kids? It's not watching ideal, them pile it? into a tree, run over <laughs> someone's parrot
2: on a lead. That's what can happen. Oh, here it is. It's a fabulous waste of ink in the sun this morning from Les Holt with one of the classics, Les classic ad- Les nothing. Holt, yeah. He adds nothing to anything ever. A bit harsh. Well, he doesn't. What a smart lad. Gareth Southgate is uh, pictured... Pictured? I don't know you picture There's pictured. no picture show, <laughs> no. He's banking 200,000 for image rights from him wearing waistcoats during the 2018 World Cup. In other words, just telling us what we already knew. Yeah. I wonder if we'll now see Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and Harry Kane starting new trends. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Yeah. What? What made you sit down and think... This is this is what I want to Easiest say. Easiest fifty quid Les
3: will ever make. <laughs> Honestly, um, Stuart les. McCall is in danger of becoming the Alan Buckley of Bradford. <laughs> oh,
1: yes. You see, yes.
3: this he's gone back for the third time. That is an Alan Maybe Buckley a, situation. Alan Buckley, of course, it, uh, always going back to Grimsby, mm. um, and I think may even still be there. But yes, yeah, Stuart McCall,
2: third time in charge of uh, Bradford. About mm. like that, it's good. Anything else? Um, Madonna. has oh, yeah. invited. Uh, Harry and Meghan to rent her apartment I know she didn't say you can have my apartment you can rent it I doubt whether they could afford it it's like some massive apartment in the middle of Manhattan Okay, can't imagine that they would really. Um, I
3: mean. Christian Eriksen has been uh, chatting to the press properly for the first time over oh, here yes. about um, his move to Inter, uh, and he said there I've I've gone really because there's a big chance of <laughs> it's winning a
2: bad when they say well
3: it's, I've gone because there's a big chance of winning a trophy here or a bigger chance than where I was, of course. Uh, he says, <laughs> of course, but yeah, of course, Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think Martin Nipton we off there made a good point to us. You know, that's because Inter are the, the second richest club in uh, Italy, yeah. and. Uh, and Spurs are the sixth richest club in, in this country. So, yeah, yeah. he's probably right. He probably They've only got, got a chance of winning
2: the league until sorry goes, basically. So they need to do it this year. Mm. And they're already, also said of, did... they're already out of Europe because Conte's not very good at Europe. So yeah.
3: He did feel a bit of a whipping boy, he says. He just feel he was getting... But he said fans were coming up to him at least a month before shaking his hand, saying, good luck, and uh, mm. we wish you all the best. And then on Saturday, he'd be playing again. <laughs> it was a fairly unsatisfactory situation. Yeah, no, was it, it wasn't. With a player that had been... You no, in his fairness, very upfront about wanting a different he life. A he admitted he spoke to Manchester United. Yeah. and uh, but, but he said he wanted a different lifestyle. He said that all along. That's why I don't feel he, he deserved to be pilloried the way he was, really. I don't he think just, he did either. He was just very no, upfront about not. it. You know, he no. didn't go... He said it wasn't about the money. I mean, it is partly about the money. Of course, it's three hundred and twenty grand when it's not going to be about the money. But he could have earned very good
2: money at it's Manchester United. It's amazing how they managed somehow... I did ask you this the other week. How they managed to pay more money... In Italy, to the players, and they often have over the years, yeah. than they do in the Premier League. When surely the Serie A TV deal is nothing as like the Premier League deal. I wouldn't have thought so. Mm. Somehow they managed. Mark, to Mark knows about parrots.
3: He says my sister has a green wing macaw. And uh, she uses a lead, which What's has Stuart, a harness. at Stuart McCaw. At, I don't think it's not Stuart McCaw. He's gone back to Bradford, Mark. Yeah. And you you got to call you McCaw Stuart. I mean, if you live in Bradford, you're going to call you McCaw Stuart. I think you are, really. Definitely. Yeah. And um, she uh, uses a lead, which has a harness at the end, and teaches him... Uh, to be comfortable outdoors and eventually fly free. It's quite common for people to do this. Says so I told you, you see, yeah, yeah. It's a, so you mocked it's, me. Well, I didn't mock you at all. I just uh, I thought you'd finally gone when you started talking about <laughs> saw a parrot on a lead. I'd, I'd, I'd never really seen that before. So um, yeah, right in the middle of Primrose Hill. Yeah, I always think. I always wondered. Uh, I was always thought I have to give this one to Dom Jolly one day. It would be quite a nice idea. to Suddenly mm-hmm. stand in the middle of uh, the high street. We're waving a piece of meat in the air, whistling into the distance, <laughs> like you are expecting a bird of prey to appear at any moment the with a big glove on.
2: <laughs> Just go out of a glove a little bit of old beef
3: on a on a piece of string and then wave it in the air and whistle. And what then look, see how many people would be looking in the distance, looking for a, a kestrel or something. Yeah, what do
2: vegan bird handlers do? Well, uh, thankfully we've got no time to no time
3: no time to carry on. The
2: Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport.
3: Yeah, only you could get on a train and get sprayed with apple juice. <laughs> it
2: was a shock. I'm sure it, it hit was. Me in the face I mean you glasses. must have,
3: at least it was quite a relief, I would imagine. when I mean, so wet hits your I face. Know. It's quite worrying, but isn't it? You wonder incredibly- what the heck it
2: is. Juicy apple. I felt asking the woman where she got the apple. Yeah, from. that's fantastic.
3: I wouldn't mind some of them myself. <laughs> Eating with a plastic bag over your head. Don't yeah. do that, of course, kids. That's dangerous. <laughs> Don't dangerous. do that. Anyway, we'll uh, catch up with you uh, tomorrow. Good. And uh, thanks for listening. we got uh, Nigel Planer, the fine actor, and his fellow Thesp, Ralph Little, will be here as well. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
1: Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport.